Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all of the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we are at our final episode of the year, our end of year episode that I always look forward to recording and it's always a lot of fun. Yeah, I do. I like this one because we, we can wing it a little bit. We don't have to watch a piece of shit for an hour and a half. Yeah, I don't have to make it. notes. <laughs> we just discuss, we make a few lists and we just discuss the year. Um... And this one's 2021. 2021, massive improvement on 2020. Yeah, 2020 was rough, but mainly because films weren't getting released. Yeah. As much. Yeah, I mean, this year as a whole for film, not just for horror, but as a whole, it's been one of the best years for films in so long. It has. It's been a good one. It's been a very good it, one. It really has. Um... And yeah, I mean, we've watched a, a lot of new films this year through festivals, through new releases at cinema, through streaming services. Uh, and as always, we've gathered our 10 best and 10 worst horror films of the year, as well as loads of other little uh, extras and goodies and such for you. Yeah, so hopefully from this you can sort of gather which ones you've watched or not watched yep. and which ones to definitely not watch. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, so first of all, start with our final socials of the year. We, you guys been sending in your best and worst. Thomas George on Instagram said his best was In the Earth or We're All Going to the World's Fair. Uh, In the Earth, I've heard mixed things about, but Thomas George has good taste, so I may have to watch that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, worst, he said, was Untitled Horror Movie, which I've not even heard of. I've never heard of that. Um, probably for the right reasons. Um, it's got a stupid title. It has, it has. Apothecary Demort two point on Instagram said, "Best we need to do something, Psycho Goreman, and come true." Can't say we agree about Psycho Goreman, but we need to do something. Was a good effort. Uh, worst what classic. Horror... We need to do something. I I watched that when I had a screen. Oh, that. okay. Yeah, I had Ozzy Osbourne's voice in it for a second. Oh, okay. <laughs> It's alright. Uh, worst, a classic horror story and censor. Oh. Can't say we agree on that one. Adam Norfolk on Instagram, best censor and mad god. Worst, a banquet, which we thankfully avoided at the uh, Abattoir Film Festival. Uh. Scarlet Oscara 666 on Instagram said, A Quiet Place 2 is the most entertaining horror film of the year. That will appear on this episode at some point. Uh... F. Bowser, F. Bowser on Instagram, best censor, didn't give a worst. And Killer Flicks on Instagram. I like that, nice positive attitude. I know, yeah, exactly. Uh, Killer Flicks on Instagram. Uh, Cameron really wanted some airtime on this episode, he gave us a bunch of films. <laughs> uh, best Halloween Kills, VHS 94, Candyman Till Death, A Quiet Place 2. And The Conjuring made me do it with honourable mentions to Gaia and Spiral from the Book of Saw. And do you know what? Spiral and The Conjuring have just disappeared. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed both, Conjuring more than Spiral, but, like, on people's best of the year, for even just specifically for horror, I've not seen them a lot. Do you not think A Quiet Place 2 has done the same? No. No, that's been quite prominent, actually, all year. Has it? Yeah, I've seen that in quite a few things. Uh, worst, Cameron said, Bingo How, Bad Candy, Old, Escape Room Tournament of Champions, the extended cut. Only the extended cut, not the theatrical one. 
apparently it's like a completely different film. And we really enjoyed the theatrical version. Oh, okay. Uh, and Demonic. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, carry on sending them in if you want. And let us know what you're looking forward to next year. We're Horror Court Trash over on Facebook and Instagram and Horror Court Trash on Twitter. Getting into our best and worst of the year, we have some awards sections, which you may remember from last year's episode, starting with the Oh My Christmas God Award for Biggest Horror Surprise of the Year, which goes to Malignant. Malignant. So on this one, we won't say each of us opinions. Yeah, no, we both agree, we agree on these. We actually agree. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, we've done a whole episode of Malignant. We'll be saying a little more later on during our best of the year. Um, but yeah, from the trailer, we were we weren't expecting no much from it, it. It's biggest surprise in terms of what we actually got, rather than the quality of what yeah. we we got in the end. Because surprises can mean, you know, um, you expecting it to be good. It was good, but mm-hmm. for completely different reasons. Yeah. To why you thought it was going to be good. And uh, oh my Christmas God! And also, if if no one remembers, that's from the tales the uh, the town that banned Christmas, uh, the most stupid line of dialogue in the film, <laughs> which we gave to an awards category. If, if anyone's listened to last year, you'll know. I don't know why I'm explaining it. Um, big surprise of the year across all other genres: the Suicide Squad. Because yeah. I mean, come on, a sequel to Suicide Squad. What what was anyone expecting, really? That was meant to be shit. Yeah, and it wasn't. No, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it's violent, it's funny, it's just, it's absolutely everything you could want from a Suicide Squad film. It's everything the original one should have been. Yeah, it's stupid yeah. in a really good way. Trauma-esque in parts, you know, you could tell James Gunn is behind it and had creative freedom. Yeah, yeah, no, that's very true. So next up we have the, what is this, Garbage Day Award for Biggest Disappointment of the Year. First up for horror, we have Lamb. Yeah, and we use the term horror loosely with this one. Well, yeah. Marketed as a horror film. Um, marketed as a film where something actually happened. Uh, marketed as an interesting film. And it was none of the sort. No. It was really thoroughly disappointing. I I was bored. I was really genuinely bored. I, I've got nothing against a slow burn, but fucking hell. You meant to be burning something. Yeah. There's no smoke and no flames. It's a sort of film that I expected to walk out or give five stars to. It's my exact type of film on paper, but no, it's it it had it felt like it had two different films in there, and it didn't know how to blend the two. I just didn't get. I, I just didn't get it. I didn't get what they were going for. No. And and it's one of those films that you know I'm sure a lot of people say. Well, maybe you didn't just get it. Well, no, because if your messages are so muddled up and so messy, then of course the messages aren't going to come across right. It's just contradicted itself all the way through. I like a film with layers. As, as, as a regular listeners know, I, li- I like a film with layers and where you can pick apart things and take, you know, some things that are personal to you mm-hmm. out of the film. Um, but because nothing happened or whatever happened was going at such a snail's pace... Yeah. That it, I, I wasn't able to do that because I, I because there just wasn't enough to take anything from. There just there was no substance to it at all. Yeah. It really thoroughly disappointed. I was so I was so bored. Um me and Gary looked at each other at the end of the film and I, I I can usually tell 
if Gary's enjoying a film or not uh, at the cinema in particular at home obviously would would we'd already have voiced our opinions um, but when we're in the cinema obviously we don't talk um, I can usually tell but I thought he was enjoying it no and then thankfully at the end I was like oh god I'm gonna have to have a discussion about why that was shit and Gary's like that was shit weren't it I was like yeah I, I mean I tell you who was enjoying it the guy who got a blowjob on the back row so uh, that was the most exciting part of the film so it was happening on the back row <laughs> Um, for, for the whole film as well. I mean, that that's impressive. Um, so props to that guy. Can we just do an extra little uh, award that I already know my winner? Uh, the guy in the back row, Odium. Your favourite cinema experience or your favourite cinema moment of the year. Seeing as we're all oh, out back in the cinemas. On. Oh my God. Don't even... I mean, positive-wise, it'd have to be Spider-Man No Way Home because that was an experience. No, you're... Oh, okay. Okay. But, no, no, no. But if we're talking, like, the sort of stuff we discuss on this podcast, like, so bad it's good moment, um, I don't know. I mean, it's either the guy getting sucked off during Lamb or the guy who, when the night house ended, he was like, that was fucking shit! <laughs> Oh, that was so funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's absolutely right. That could have easily been biggest horror disappointment other than Lamb. That was a close second. <laughs> he decided to give his opinion like Robert Ebert. Uh, Roger, Robert, Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert. Like, that was shit, that was. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Thanks guy. mate. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Another great so cinema. To be there. A great another great cinema experience this year was from the screen we put on of Hellraiser and having people show up uh, who have never seen Hellraiser before and hearing their reactions to the film. I that know, was great. That was true. Actually, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, so it was, was the night house show one as well. It was okay, yeah, good. just him at the end. It was so funny in his accent and everything. That was shit. That was. Um and biggest disappointment of the year across all genres. You t- you had the pleasure of announcing this one. It was that film about <laughs> um, about sand <laughs> and only sand. It's Dune. Oh my god! We're in the minority on this well, yeah. one. Yeah, we're in the minority. But fuck you know, I was bored. Yeah. So bored. I, I was literally playing with the lights at the side of the cinema halfway through. Oh my the, god. The strip of lights. I actually... My seat. And, you know, the original Dune film, David Lynch is worse, which is, which isn't really saying much because he's, you know, a genius. Um, but it had its faults, the original one. But fuck me, at least it was entertaining. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And everyone, people online were saying, well, this is more true to the book. This is, you know, this is more true to the book. This is what the book's like. Well, I'd just like to thank you because I own the book and I ain't going to be fucking watching well, if, I mean, if, you, it. if David Lynch's version isn't faithful to the book, then I'd like to thank David Lynch for not reading the book. <laughs> I, th- I think David Lynch tried to put too much into one film. And it was camp and entertaining. I, this was not, it was just genuinely... It, it was so lost up its own ass. it's unbelievable. Oh my god, so lost up its own ass. I mean, the fact that it called itself Dune Part 1 within the first 10 minutes on the on the title card without even having a sequel greenlit, that is so pretentious and so ridiculous. What if it bombed? 
What if it bombed and the studio would not um, give the director money to do another film? You look like a massive twat. You you would look silly. But the world loves it. Apparently, it's the next two thousand one Space Odyssey, which is absolutely bizarre to me. But you know, I I just I didn't get it. I'm sorry. Well, actually, why am I sorry? It's just my opinion. <laughs> um, but I just I didn't understand the hype. I didn't understand why they took everything so slow, and why nothing really felt like it happened. It, it didn't. I don't, Maybe I switched off at some point. I, mean, it's, it, I just got to the point where I was like, what is even happening here? It's a technical achievement. I agree with people on that. Oh, I mean, it, it looked great. You know, it looked, it looked really good. I thought the, the sound design and everything was fantastic. But other than that, I mean, you're just watching a twink running around sand for two and a half hours. Same words that are so big that he probably didn't even understand them himself. And... and even the cast looked bored. Yeah. Like, really. Timothy Chalamet, he looked bored. Yeah. Um, the only one that didn't really was Rebecca Hall. Rebecca, mm. was it Rebecca Hall? Yeah. Excuse me, or Rebecca Ferguson. Oh, there's one of the My apologies, I get <laughs> them mixed up. Um, the one that gave a really great performance in Doctor Sleep. Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah, I believe that's her, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's the only one that didn't really look bored. Um, but she still didn't have much to do. Oh, I don't know. It's hard to describe just how tepid I thought the whole fucking yeah. film was. Yeah, I mean, it it should have been better. It is Rebecca Ferguson. Uh, it should have been. Okay. It should have been better, considering the reviews it was getting. You know, people uh, were saying they walked out of it shaking. Well, I was fucking shaking because I thought it was never gonna fucking end. <laughs> Seriously, to God. Anyway, Trash the Piece of the Year is, of course, old. I mean, what the fuck else could it be? What a experience that was. I was shaking leaving that film. Fucking shaking with laughter. Like Hilarious. We, we'll have a lot more to say about that later on. The, yeah. Best podcast film of the year. I've got Halloween because, I mean, it's my favourite film of all time, so it automatically wins. Yes, uh, this is where we do differ a little bit. I put Halloween 6. Oh, oh no. Halloween, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, I chose um, The Virgin Spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought it was magnificent. I just generally thought it was fantastic. Halloween, obviously, you know, is a masterpiece. Um, but The Virgin Spring was really something else. Loved it. Yeah. Loved it, loved it. And the worst podcast film of the year, quite possibly the worst podcast film we've ever discussed... A new bar that's been lowered again uh, from last year. And quite possibly one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. A film that we actually paused 40 minutes in and discussed whether or not we actually wanted to do an episode on it. Because it was so shitty. It is, of course, Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas. (laughs) And it was Chris's choice, just to remind you all. It was my choice. So what? What What a film. What a film. I don't think we'll ever be that. Um, yeah, generally, generally just bottom of the barrel. Re- just really. The, the, do you know what? You can't even see the barrel. It's, no. it's underground so far. So that brings us to our top 10 best horror films of 2021. Uh, now, obviously, we attend a lot of festivals, so some of these may not have been released this year in the UK uh, or wherever you're listening. Uh, they may be due to be released, so if you can't find it anywhere, then just keep an eye out for it. 
and uh, yeah, we highly recommend every film we're about to mention. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, every film on my top ten, um, we we don't differ very much. It's just a slightly different order, uh, but each of them I fully recommend, and I'd say yeah, definitely if you can watch it. So, would you like to go first, or do Ooh, you want me to? Um, you go first because. Your number 10 isn't on my list. Cool. So, at number 10, we have Slapface for me. The film's not called Slapface for me. I mean, it's on my <laughs> list. It's called Slapface. Um, if it was a Slapface for you, that would definitely be in my top 10. Well, thanks. Um, yeah. So, Slapface is a film about a boy with an imaginary friend. Uh, he was there very much as symbolism uh, for coping with loss and depression. And it's just an all-round really fucking sad film. The first ever film to make me cry at Fright Fest. And I just thought it was just absolutely fantastic. I was absolutely engaged from start to finish. The performances uh, in the film are fantastic, especially from uh, the actor who plays the uh, the main kid in the film. Uh, you know... August Machuro, he's a fantastic actor, um, and he can go one or two ways with child actors, can't it? I mean, you're either going to get a fantastic performance like this, or it's just going to be really hit or miss and really dry, but no, he, he does a fantastic job, leading the whole film as well, um, and the whole the horror side to it is blended in in such a, a clever and subtle way to the point that there are moments that are quite creepy in there you know it is a good horror film but the horror isn't the main focus is this kid's story at the focus at, at the at the center of the film yeah it's um it is a horror film at heart but it does deal with abuse um but not in an exploitative way no um it's very I want to say low-key, for want of a better word. It's it's very low-key. It's not showy. It's not big. It's not brash. Um, it's a low-budget indie flick, yeah. really. and um, But just really well-made, really well-constructed, really well-acted. Yeah, I, I it, it's somewhere within my top 15 horror films of the year. It didn't quite make my top 10, but I would highly recommend it. And what is your number 10? My number 10 is We're All Going to the World's Fair. Which is my number 8. Your number 8. So, speaking of low-budget indie horror... Yes. Um, yeah, really enjoyed this film. Really enjoyed the premise. Um, talking about great acting in indie films. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, the the girl, main girl... Anna Cobb. Anna Cobb. Um, she's fantastic in it. Um, very... I think it's quite modern, isn't it, really, in in terms of... Oh, it's mega modern. It it really is. Um, yeah, I mean, this is what I described as the Blair Witch Project and Paranormal Activity for the YouTube generation. Yeah. Yeah, very much dealing with viral videos um, or these challenges that you see all the time now. So bang up to date in its references. Um... It's all filmed... Well, no, it's mainly... A lot of it is her just speaking to the screen. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird mix between found footage and the, the, the obviously the traditional style of filmmaking. Um, 
And it's that mix that adds a sort of realism to it to the point that when you're in the more traditionally shot scenes, you kind of forget that you're not watching a found footage film anymore. Mm. Uh, because it just feel it all feels so real. Um, and because it is topical, you know, it's people do stupid challenges online. Yeah. And some of them are dangerous. And we like watching those YouTube yeah, yeah. videos of not people doing stupid things. Um, but wow. like, um, his five creepy videos yes. from the internet that'll keep you up at night. And look, we love shit like that. We watch shit like that. And this is very much like that. You know, you don't, you, you don't, obviously it's a film, but if you were to have seen these clips on YouTube randomly, you would question them, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Is this, is this real or is it fake and gay? Exactly, exactly. And uh, also non-binary filmmaker as well, which is always a bonus. Yeah, um, Diversity has been off the chart this year for horror and, and filmmaking in general. Um, you know, for non-binary and female filmmakers, it's been a really, really great year. Um, yeah, and, and another thing about this is it's genuinely scary. Like, it is genuinely really, really creepy. It, it really got under my skin because... It's not, it's not gory, you know, it's, it's like Chris said, it's, it's not over the top or anything like that at all. It is just, you know, like your scary YouTube videos that you get. But it doesn't in such a way that gives you a lot to think about, especially with the ending. Uh, I mean, I've got about 10 theories for that fucking ending. Uh, would be, obviously, we'd, we'd love to hear yours on our social media if you've seen it. But... It, it really leaves it open to the audience. And I love that. I, you, we just discussed Black Christmas for Original vs. Remake. I love an ending like that. Um, and it, it does it really well. Yeah. To the yeah, point it's... it could be something really sinister and dark, but it also could be something really simple and straightforward. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, really well constructed. Yeah. Definitely. So coming in at number nine for me... Is the remake of Slumber Party Massacre. Yay. That's uh, also number nine for me. Perfect. So both of our number nine. Um, again, a film di- uh, directed by a woman. Amazing. Uh, same director as the Banana Splits film. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, which is obviously in keeping with the tradition of the Slumber Party Massacre franchise. Where every single film has been directed by a woman. Because these films are slasher films that provide a satire on the sort of uh, what people deem to be misogynistic views of slasher films. But whereas the first Slumber Party Massacre did a really great job of this, this does a phenomenal job of it and really turns it on its head. Yeah, I think the original Slumber Party Massacre was maybe a little too subtle in that sense for its own good. People didn't get it. Um, it's very obvious in this remake. This is exactly what Black Christmas 2019 was trying yep. to do. Um, fortunately, did not succeed. Um, it's thoroughly entertaining. Yeah. The characters are incredibly likeable. Um, it's funny. Mm-hmm. It says something about modern times, but also makes fun of, you know, slasher, horror woke culture you know it's it, it's not afraid to laugh at itself yeah or all the audience really i just i just think it was genuinely 
funny. I, I, I actually thought it was a comedy, a horror yeah, comedy, yeah. like the original was. Fantastic Kills. Um, yeah. For, I mean, sci-fi have been killing this shit, sci-fi channel with Chucky and this. Um, you know, for a, for a TV movie, you don't expect it to be as gory as it is, but it goes all the way with the kills. Uh, homoerotic pillar fights and shower scenes. It, this is just... It's super gay as well. It is, yeah. And that, that is a compliment. Uh, yeah, it's just... It's everything you could possibly want it to be. It is so camp. It's so self-aware. It's It really is just a fantastic slasher film. Uh, in an age where slasher films are very much coming back. Yeah, it's just... It's a fun, it's a fun film to watch. It really is. I, I highly recommend it. Even if you haven't seen the original, you don't yeah. really... You really have to see the original too. But it helps. I mean, especially I would, I would if you've seen all three original films, there are so many little nods and references. That is also very true. Um, that is also very you true. You can tell the director is a fan of the original trilogy. Yeah, that is. Yeah, actually, I would probably say. No, I would recommend them anyway. Yeah, just watch to, yeah. to any, anyone yeah. watch it. Uh, my number eight is We're All Going to the World's Fair, which we've already discussed. So what is your number eight? It's A Quiet Place 2. Which is my number seven. Yeah. Um, Speaking of great cinema experiences, this is probably the most tense cinema experience of the year. I didn't have the highest expectations going into it because I really enjoyed A Quiet Place, but I just wasn't sure what they could do to continue the story. Or I, I just... I was nervous that it was going to become too bloated, um, that it was going to go into, um, like, where the aliens came from, you know, what's mm. this, go into their backstory, this or such and such as backstory, introduce too many characters. Um, I, I, I just thought it was going to be a little too much, considering how subtle the first film was yeah. but I actually think it managed to continue the story and introduce new characters yeah. but also keep true to the original mm-hmm. and keep true to what made the original so tense yeah. and scary like really really well made Yeah. Uh, again um I just really enjoyed it. Really well acted. Emily Blunt, you know, lover. Melissa Simmons was fantastic. She really was. Really was. Um, Killian Murphy was a good yeah. addition. He's always great. Um, and it did do something slightly different. So it didn't feel like a rehash of the first film. Yeah. It did do something slightly different. I don't want to give too well, much it, away. It, it, takes everything, it takes everything that the first film did right and then just elevates it. Um, I mean, I, I thought it was better than the first film myself. It, it just, it was so intense. Like, in the cinema, you know, we had a really good audience for it. It was an early screening, and everyone was silent during all the right scenes. You know, everyone was on edge. You could tell. It was so good. Such a great cinema experience. Um, no one fell asleep. No one fell asleep. Which, yeah, they did during the first film. Um, but also, uh, again, you know, props to the marketing for this. As, as we mentioned earlier, the marketing for Malignant made us think of something different. Um, the marketing for this was great because the trailers only showed stuff from the first half and then, uh, uh, like, a few seconds from the third act. Mm. Uh, great method because you genuinely, didn't, you genuinely didn't know what was coming next. Yeah. And we'd seen that trailer so many times as well. Oh, my God, so many times. 
Because it was pushed back, yeah. wasn't it? Because of the pandemic. It was meant to come out in 2020. Um, so fucking hell, we'd seen that trailer yeah. a lot. And one of the film's best scenes where two, partic- two specific uh, intense events are happening at the same time, intertwined of each other. Three, actually. I think three uh, events in this particular scene. None of that was shown in the trailer. And, oh my God, it was so intense in the cinema. You didn't know who was going to make it out of this film alive. Mm. Because obviously, in the first one, spoiler alert, quickly skip if you've ever seen the first, The Quiet <gasps> oh Place, my God. John Krasinski is, is a main character and he dies. Yeah. So that already gives you that sense of dread for the sequel. You don't know who's safe. Well, also, with not knowing that no one's safe, the kid dying in the first one. Yeah, yeah exactly. In the first few minutes. Like, oh my God. Yeah. You know, no one's safe in these films. Absolutely. Uh, and that is obviously uh, readily available everywhere, so check it out. Um, yeah, that's pretty much on Blu-ray, DVD yep. now. Yeah. Yeah, because that was quite early in the year, wasn't it? Was, it was, yeah. Uh, my number seven was A Quiet Place Part 2. What is your number seven? Well, number seven is Midnight. Yes. It didn't make it to my list. It is on my honourable mentions. Fantastic um, film. Yeah, fantastic Korean film um, about uh, a deaf girl yeah. who's being stalked by a uh, charismatic murderer mm-hmm. in the dark alleys of Seoul. Um, yeah. It's quite simple, really. It's a very simple premise, but expertly made, expertly yeah. um, acted and directed. Um I, re- I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I really did. Yeah, I mean, Kwon Oh-sung is first-time director as well, um, uh, which is really impressive because this was expertly directed. Uh, really, really intense. And great representation for disabled people as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's... It, I was going to say, this is the kind of stories we need to... Uh, to have on screen. But, I mean, technically, she is being hunted down by a murderer. Well. Uh, <laughs> but it's the representation that we need. And it adds a new dimension to um, what could have been a, a, a tepid story. Yeah. You know, it's a very simple premise that we've seen um, time and time again. But it adds to that um, and tells a, a familiar story from a different angle. And it's really well made and it's successful yeah absolutely and the villain is just a normal guy but oh my god he is terrified in that role he's so good so yeah yeah he does creepy very well uh my number six is censor yes me too oh my god we're agreeing um i mean wow this this film absolutely blew me away when i watched it again female director prono bailey bond Someone who clearly loves video nasties. Yes. Because, I mean, the whole idea of this film is absolutely um, a look at censorship within the 80s and the whole video nasty era. The film is about someone who was rating video nasties at the at the BBFC. Um, really, that's all you need to know. Because a tape takes a dark turn and it spirals out of control from there. Uh, to something really creepy, really atmospheric, really well made. Um, and 
one of the more, and I, I say one of the more, there's, there's been quite a few unique horror films that feel original this year. This is absolutely up there with those. Um, it just didn't feel like anything else. It felt like a, it felt like an art house horror film at times. It felt like a standard thriller at other times. And it just mixed it all together really well uh, to create something that was just really, really captivating. Yeah, I appreciated that it's parodied in some ways the video nasties yeah but also didn't it wasn't making fun of it necessarily no um you know we've spoken about video nasties uh on this podcast before we loved the video nasties some of them were shit you know bottom of the barrel um but you know we'll still watch them and yeah. still enjoy them it's that kind of cinema and this really it, even though it didn't come across as low budget cheapo exploitation mm-hmm. because it's not it was a well-made film that was in some ways a love letter to those yeah. cheapo exploitation shitty bottom of the barrel yeah. films that we love and I, I appreciated that it didn't turn into a complete parody just ridiculing these films yeah and Niam Alga is so good in the lead role um, her deterioration as the film goes on is just so effective because of her how good her performance is yeah she did she just put in a great performance and it's uh it, it isn't afraid to be a slow burner at times as well um which i really appreciate over the top moments as well yeah good. once it gets to that third act it is absolutely the payoff is worth it it's mm. really worth it so yeah that's a really great film, and I believe it's currently available on Mubi, so check that out. Oh, um, isn't Vinegar Syndrome doing an edition on Blu-ray? I believe so, America. I think looked, so. That looked good. Uh, and of course, Second Sight Films are released on Blu-ray in the UK in yes. January. Ah, nice. My number five is Malignant. Number my number five is Malignant as well. Oh, good. So there wow. we go. Again, we recorded a whole episode on this um, for our Halloween special this year because it's it's one of those films that we we found we needed to. We you know we only discuss brand new films every now and then. Um, this needed discussing. It was absolutely a podcast film, but not because it's trash, because of how different. And how unique it is for a modern day film. Uh, and how out there it is. And also how divisive it is. Because this year has been many things. And divisive for films is one of them. Um, film Twitter has been at each other's throats all year. Oh my lord. <laughs> About one thing or another. Uh, Malignant is easily within the top five most divisive films of the year. You either love it or you hate it. Or you don't get it. It's one of the three. Um, yeah... For us, the discourse has been annoying on this yeah. film. For us, obviously, we love Giallo. Uh, we love camp 80s horror. So within the first five minutes, we knew what we were in for. Something completely different to what the trailer promised, but we knew what we were in for. And that was exciting. This is James Wan making his love letter to Giallo. And he he isn't afraid to recreate some of the most ridiculous, melodramatic elements of Jello to achieve this. And that is why this is so great. Yeah, and it, it's Jello, but it's also other genres as well mm. that's all mixed in to this crazy film. And 
for me, to put it very simply, because we did do a whole podcast episode on it, but to put it very simply, it felt like Malignant was made for me. Yeah. It took aspects of the ridiculous, cool, horror, schlocky, you know, exploitation films that I love, put them all together, mixed it all up, and somehow made it work. Yeah. Um, you know, it takes a master filmmaker to be able to do that. And yeah. I believe James Wan is, you know, a master filmmaker, particularly when it comes to the horror genre. Um, it was just enjoyable. It was just so yeah. ridiculous that it was just, you couldn't help but enjoy it. Yeah, one of the most unpredictable twists in quite some time uh, in horror it, history. Films don't have to make this grand statement about politics or mm. the human you know condition or anything like that sometimes it can just be a really fucking fun film yeah and i think malignant is definitely that film yeah. for 2021 absolutely actually there are actually i think there are a couple of others uh, yeah. coming up that are a bit like that but yeah absolutely uh my number four is a film that has a lot to say and a lot to show. And again, speaking of unique and original, my number four is Mad God. Yes, that's my number three. So Mad God is just one massive mindfuck um, from start to finish. I love surrealism within cinema. Uh, this takes it to another level. It's so hard to describe what it's about. Um, but But what it is, is... An animated horror masterpiece. It's a nightmare put to film. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's shocking, disturbing, mm -hmm. disgusting at yeah. times, um, but thrilling and, you know, interesting, really well made. Oh. Well, Phil Tippett has absolutely worked his ass off to get this film made. Um, yeah. It's been in production since the 80s, yeah. which is crazy. Let's make something very clear. This film is not for everyone. No. I would recommend it if you're a horror fan. If, you know, it, I know it's animated, but you still need a bit of a strong stomach for it. Yeah. If you don't like the more gruesome side of horror, I wouldn't recommend watching this if you don't like your horror weird this is not for you yeah if, if you're a fan of uh like david lynch um shinya sukamoto you know anyone who makes really weird and fucked up horror then you absolutely love this film it, it, it is just something else it's not like anything i've ever seen before no um the stop motion animation is gorgeous it looks incredible Despite how dark and disgusting some of it is, um, the sound design, uh, you know, there's there's little to no dialogue in the film. It, it is just, it it's something special. It really is. Yeah, it it, it it's one you of those films that doesn't come it. along very often. No, no. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. Watch it if you can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the same can be said. About the next two films on my list. What's That's, your number four? My number four is The Sadness. Well, there we go. <laughs> Another film that you might not be able to stomach. Um, 
So, much like Malignant, this is one of those films, it's not making a grand statement. No. It's not multi-layered. It's not, you know, it's not going to be winning any Golden Globes anytime soon. But fuck me, is it entertaining? Oh my God, just balls to the wall, ridiculous, zombie hilarious at times madness yeah just really just a batshit crazy film this is horror to the extreme like I mean it nearly tipped me over the edge it made me feel a bit sick there were moments I was like (laughs) oh fuck's sake so um, in a good way to give a bit of context we watched this at Fright Fest it was the closing film of the festival and it had been the year had been an improvement on the last year as it was you know so we were having a good time anyway and this film came along, you know, anyone knows we love Asian cinema, so we were excited for it naturally just because of that. Um, and before, one of the hosts uh, announced before putting it on that it was a miracle that the council allowed them to show it, and that the BBFC, you know, let, passed it and cut to show. And, and you know, that's going to get you hyped when you're at a horror festival, but still, I did not expect this. This is genuine. This film fucking shook me. Like, I, I know I was mocking everyone for shaking at Dune. I was fucking shaking after this. This was, It's so intense. Um, easily the scariest film of the year. Because it is just relentless. And you know from the first big moment, all bets are off. You know, the bar has been... Has, the bar has been lifted so high... Anything could happen. Yeah. And it, it never lets you down from that point onwards. Yeah. It, it's unrelenting. It, there was people walking out of the screen at Fright Fest. I heard someone say um, they couldn't take any more from behind us when they when they walked out. It, and it's it's understandable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, it's not for everyone. Um, but if you're a gore hound, like a real proper gore hound... Yeah then I would absolutely recommend watching The Sadness. And it's it's crazy. The one scene where it doesn't... <laughs> I won't spoil what it is, but one scene where it doesn't show you something in graphic detail, the event that's happening is probably the most shocking event of the film, and the sound effects are bad enough. Yeah, yeah, it's what you can't see in that, in that scene. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Watch it. Watch it if you're a horror fan. Uh, that can that can take a lot. <laughs> um, hopefully it gets a release. Again, like the hosts at Fright Fest said, it will be a miracle if it's released uncut. <laughs> you think? Yes. On Blu-ray? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's been released uncut in Germany. If okay. That's the first place it's been guaranteed a release on oh. physical media. Um, so fingers crossed, and hopefully it'll be the same... Uh, in the UK. And that was your number four, yeah? That was my number four. Cool. My number three is Titan. 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 Uh, what to say about Titan? Actually, no, I tell you. I'll, I'll tell you what to say about Titan. You tell us what to say. So, Titan is. About my number two <laughs> Titan is directed by Julia Ducano, who. Uh, is a French director who directed Raw. Now, Raw, we weren't the biggest fans, were we? No. That's that's face. Uh, it, um, yeah, it just didn't do anything for me. I, I like the style of it, 
But everything else, just I thought it was all stuff, no substance. Um, everyone seemed to rave about it though, uh, but it just was not for me. Titan, on the other hand, is everything I wanted from Raw and then some. This is Julia Ducano's masterpiece. This is insane how good this fucking film is. And for a film release in 2021 as well. In every way that the sadness is risque and Mad God is risque and really extreme, so is T-10. I was looking away from the screen during certain scenes. Yeah, it pushes some boundaries and it's very weird. Yeah. Um, in the best possible way. It's... I don't want to give away too much because I, I think... I think people should go into it not knowing yeah a lot so I'm, all I'm all I'm really going to say is just open your mind and try try not to figure out too much as you're watching yeah you know how and I know we, we keep referring to him but David Lynch is where sometimes you're going this is what it is Mm. I'm not trying to make or take meaning out of it. No. Um, because it's an experience. And Titan is, is definitely an experience kind of film. And there are messages to be taken away from it. There, I mean, there are. There's some very, uh, very interesting imagery that I believe is alluding to toxic masculinity. Um, and even, you know the treatment of women within Hollywood to a certain extent. Because um, I know in some... I, I believe in some interviews Julia DeCano has said about the Me Too movement and whatnot. And, and it does show, considering a certain event happens with a male, something happens after that, and then it's a downward spiral from that point onwards. Um, with, again, with use of imagery to deliver these messages in a very powerful, effective way. Um... And, and yeah, and another thing is, the pacing is perfect. But if you don't like a slow burn, you're probably not going to enjoy it. Because it goes from 0 to 100 within the first half an hour. But after that point, it slows down. And it, it almost feels like it takes on a different film. But in the best way possible. It, it's so hard to explain, but it is just perfection. It is a film of two halves, definitely. And... Uh, Agaf Roussel is a first-time actress with this film. Honestly, one of my favourite performances of the year. Yeah, she's, she's very good. Very good. Really, really fantastic performance. Um, and, and her chemistry with Vincent Landon, uh, Linden is just incredible. And makes for one of the weirdest on-screen relationships of the year, but one that is just so engaging to the point I... I couldn't look away the whole time it's fantastic it's one of those films where you sit there and you think how could anybody think of this yeah apart from like david cronenberg because it's very cronenbergian yeah it's it's definitely there's that's definitely an influence there but yeah t10 is my number three what is yours my number three it was mad god cool and your number two is t10 yeah yeah my number two is the sadness so Honourable mentions. Honourable... Oh, we're doing honourable mentions yes. before number one. I'm going to reel them off. We'll have a quick word from Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Gary's honourable mentions. Yes. 
Um, I can see the first one, and it's not on mine, but okay. Uh, okay, so I will say Candyman lived up to expectations for me. I really enjoyed it. Candyman did not live up to expectations for me, but I still kind of enjoyed it. Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched. Oh, fantastic. Loved it. Really, one of those documentaries where you're writing down... Well, I say writing down back in the day, I would. <laughs> uh, this, we've got a letterbox now. Um, but you're writing down the films. So, okay, I've got to watch this, got to watch this, got to watch Really, really interesting. Yeah, set three hours aside, stick it on, and I can guarantee you will want to watch more folk horror. Absolutely. Halloween Curls. Yeah, fabulous. Again, we did an episode on it, go listen. Yeah, another I, one split. Yeah, another divisive film. Divisive film. film. Um, Midnight, of course, we've already mentioned. Candyman was very divisive It was, well, it was. Mean... Uh, between us two. Between us two. <laughs> Nocturne Aside A is a film I watched, and I had a screener for, and it's the horror equivalent to The Father. So good. Uh, Alone with You, absolute masterclass in minimalism, um, literally made by a couple in their flat during COVID, and it was massively intense. Really good. Deer Skin, talk about fucking weird. Oh yeah, that was weird. <laughs> that French film. The, that? Where a guy was just determined to get every part of his deer skin outfit, yeah. no matter what it took. Yeah. Great yeah. film. Which is crazy because it's from the same director so as Mandibles, which is on my worst films of the year. Yeah. Um, so two extremes from that guy. The Amusement Park, George Romero is no longer with us, but still releasing bangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Hotel Poseidon. Features the best scene you'll see all year of a guy playing keyboard with a funny hat whilst Jesus dances. Uh, John in the Hole. Really, really great slow burn. Yeah, that was good. That was better than it probably should have been, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Night Books. Uh, probably better than it yeah. should have been, actually. Yeah. Family <laughs> horror film that feels like it belongs in the 80s. Uh, the Maid. Yeah, that was good. That was great. That great was late night good. film at Fright Fest. Uh, the Medium, uh, you know, Asian horror is on top form this year. The Maiden Medium are great examples of that. Uh, VHS 94. I love the VHS films. This was so much better than the third one. Great return to form for that franchise. The Guest Room. Weird thriller uh, slash horror from Italy that just has you thinking all the way through. Really great. On the third, oh, excuse me, on the third day. Oh, that's the one, yeah, that, that was the Malignant one. the second. <laughs> yeah, that was the one where if it was a um, parody mm. or a comedy, then it was excellent. But if it was taking itself seriously, <laughs> it was dire. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming it was I'm going the malignant way. Yeah, a few yeah. shots in the film, I think, confirm that. Two Witches, uh, a film we did not know what to expect from, but was really, really good. Uh, really Camp and... What film was that? Uh, the one with the... Uh, I don't want to spoil it for people. Oh, okay. But it was at Grimfest. There was a certain penis scene. Oh, yeah. Okay. Off yeah. season, uh, this year's answer to Carnival of Souls, which is at Fright Fest. Really good film. Uh, the Conjurer and the Devil Made Me Do It. It is on my honourable mentions because I thought it was alright. It wasn't groundbreaking. It wasn't as good as the first two, but I thought it was a decent effort. Uh, Escape Room Tournament of Champions. So good. 
like, I mean, seriously, if you're talking about shutting your mind off for a horror film and just enjoying yourself. Yeah. Just yeah. like the first film. It's just you a know. film. I just, I, I think, I, I don't know. I think sometimes people expect too much yeah. of films. See, for me, um, really, really, really great film from uh, Abattoir Horror Festival. We said people expecting too much of films. We just sit here every week <laughs> bitching about true. films. Uh, and the Fear Street trilogy, I think, deserves a mention. Because whilst the first part wasn't perfect, two and three were really good. Two was the best. Two was definitely the best. It's just, it's nice to see... But you, you've really got to watch all three. You yeah. just watch one. It's nice to see some female-directed horror of LGBT representation in there, uh, channeling some great influences. Yeah, and it's it's another sort of gateway horror, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not aware of Fear Street, the R.L. Stein. Um, but, you know, kids younger than us are going to be, and then that's a yeah. sort of gateway horror. And they'll be like... Oh, you know, this is what influenced mm. that film, and they'll go back and watch some real classics. Yeah. Honourable mentions across all of the genres. Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. If you are listening to this gay podcast, that film is an essential for you. Oh, my God. Talk about a surprise hit. Yeah. I fucking love that. I thought it was going to be dire, and people were saying, oh, it's good, it's good, it's good. We were like, oh, we'll give it a go. Because that was kind of at the time where we weren't sure if any new films were coming out. Yeah. Really. So we watched it. And, oh, my God, hilarious. Yep. Uh, the Hand of God, which we only just watched uh, two days ago. Really fantastic Italian film. Um, that it doesn't ever feel like it's about anything. It is just a coming-of-age film. But a really fucking good one at that. Yeah, and, and um, surprisingly kooky as yeah. well. It's It doesn't do what you think it's going to do, which I, I enjoyed that. Encanto. Yeah. Yeah, that would, what a lovely film for the family. <laughs> King Knight. And you could put that on the poster, Disney. King Knight. Uh, at Fright Fest, uh, one of my favourite comedy films of the year. Uh, from, from Fright Fest, of all places. I thought it was so funny. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a good. good Aubrey Plaza as a fucking pinecone. I mean, what more do you need? Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> Ray Wise as Merlin. <laughs> was he DJ? Merlin the DJ. I'm I don't think think so. it's some, oh, I maybe it's else. Maybe it's a DJ in something else. P.S. Burn this letter, please. <laughs> oh, I loved, loved that film. Oh, what a great year for documentaries oh, yeah. as well. Colors of Toby. Yeah, Mama Gloria, yeah. Tina. You know, it, it has really been a great year for documentaries. Fantastic, and I I love documentaries, and I, I like, I like documentaries on um, obviously a subject that I'm interested in, but I love documentaries as a whole. But there's been some really great LGBT yeah, Q documentaries yeah. this year as well, which I really appreciate. Pig. Nicholas Cage uh, providing the most surprising performance of the year. Yeah, I think people have forgotten about that now, unfortunately. When did Pig come out? Pig was July? June, July time? July, so I don't think he's going to get an Oscar nom, but he was fantastic in it. He was. Nomadland, of course. Yeah, fabulous. Beginning of the year, that was. Come on, come on. Really good A24 film with Joaquin Phoenix. Delivering a really sincere, down-to-earth performance. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was a very sincere film, actually. Yeah. Annette. Talk about weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, love Annette. Baby Annette, icon of the year. Baby Annette is the moment. Um... It's been a great year for Adam Driver. I mean, House of Gucci isn't on my honourable mentions, but he was great in that. He's he's such a good actor. Oh, is House of Gucci not on your honourable mentions? It's, it's not. Oh. It's, I'm still a bit sad that it didn't go all the way of its camp. And that the camp that it did have was accidental, clearly. It did give far too much time to... Old men talking. Or <laughs> <laughs> like Jared Leto. Hamming it up. Yeah. Thinking he's the best thing since fucking sliced bread. Get fucked, Jared Leto. Um, Faceless. One of two films on this episode called Faceless. This is the better one. Yes. The so Hong this Kong is documentary. The documentary yeah. about the um, Hong Kong. Um, well, I wouldn't call them rioters, but you know what I. Um, protesters. Protesters. Excuse yeah. me. Of course, that's the word. Um, yeah, the Hong Kong protesters. Very interesting. Very yes. informative. And yeah, um, just as intense as any horror film this year, especially with some abs- of the footage you get. Absolutely, uh, the Green Knight, a one that I enjoyed more than you. Um, just weird again. <laughs> a lot of weird films this year. This is definitely one of them. Um, and it's a Christmas film as well. So save it for Christmas next year. The Velvet Underground. Yes, Velvet Underground. One of my favorite bands. Um, love that documentary. Very informative, very interesting, and did things a little different yeah. to normal documentaries. Yeah. Loved the footage they got for everything, and it wasn't just it wasn't just talking heads constantly. No, um, which I really appreciated. It, it took it in a different, slightly different direction, but it was still really informative. Mitchell's versus the machines. Oh my god, talk about underrated. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. It hasn't been nominated at the Golden Globes. Wonderful animated I'm, film. I'm really hoping it gets nominated for an Oscar. It really should do. It really should. It's amazing. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. So entertaining. Really ad- life-affirming as well. Yeah. And I, I love that with animated films. Best use of Furby you'll ever see in any film ever. Absolutely. Uh, again, we've already mentioned the Suicide Squad. Tick, Tick, Boom was a fantastic musical. Really, really good. Uh, sound and Metal. Some of the best sound design from any film this year. Yeah, and one of the best performances. Yeah, Riz Ahmed. It's fantastic. Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. Hilarious. It's the kind of humour that I love. Um, Another and comedy at Fright Fest as well. Yeah, and the kind of comedy that Japanese are incredibly good at. Yeah, yeah. It's the um, One Cut of the Dead. Mm-hmm kind of humour um, that not many people can do. <laughs> Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, close to being my favourite Marvel film. I loved it. I loved the representation of the culture. Yeah. Um, I thought the characters were incredibly likeable. Um, I think sometimes Marvel struggles with origin stories, but this was really, really well done. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I loved the action. Yeah, I loved all of it. Really, really, really loved it. Spencer. Yeah. Could easily have been a horror film. <laughs> Could easily have been a horror film. And talking about a surprise as well. I didn't think I was going to love it as much as I did. Um, and it, 
another film that was very sincere. Yeah. Even even though it is very stylish and very sort of stylishly mm. made. Um, and this big credit to um, Kristen Stewart. Yeah, give her the Oscar. For her performance. Absolutely needs nominating, at least nominating at the Oscars. Um, a very sincere performance. Completely changed. Yeah. Her herself um, for the role. Really unrecognisable. Um, fantastic. Yeah, really recommend that. Summer of Soul. Oh, yeah. One of my... Yeah, one of my favourite films of the year. A documentary on a subject matter that I find infinitely interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, loved the music. Love, love, loved it. Um, loved the interviews. So pleased to see that footage. Um, I hope that they release the footage as a whole. Yeah. So I don't know if it's getting a Blu-ray release. I really hope it does. And if you could just watch the footage and just watch yeah. the performances, love that. Loved it, loved it. Promising Young Woman, uh, a film that, I mean, some might debate that it's a horror film. I don't consider it a horror film. Um, I consider it, for the most part, a satisfying revenge film. Yeah. It's a difficult one because it probably raises more questions than it really answers. And I think that's the point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, not wanting to give away any spoilers, but it makes you question people's actions. Yeah. And I, I think it's very layered and very, very interesting. It's, it's the kind of film that sticks with you afterwards. Yeah. For a very long time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Again, you know, another female directed film that is just an absolute, absolute masterclass in filmmaking and. The performances, everything about it, it's just fantastic. It yeah, really is. Really, yeah, really well done. The French Dispatch. Talk about films that felt they were made for me. Mm-hmm. I've never watched a Wes Craven. Uh, Wes, Wes Craven. I've watched That's many Wes true. Craven films. <laughs> I've never watched a Wes Anderson film before, and part of me just thought he was gonna be uh, up his own ass, kind of that kind of quirky stupid kind of quirkiness um but oh my god what an enjoyable film mm-hmm. um it, it fucking is quirky but yeah. since i keep this is the word of the uh podcast sincere <laughs> a very sincere quirkiness to it um very light and yeah. just enjoyable um really enjoyed it. i can't wait to watch his other films if they're anything like that minari yeah what a great performance from uh, the grandma yep. in that. One of the best performances of the year. And very well-deserved Oscar win. Very well-deserved Oscar win. And the rest of the film is fantastic as well, but she, she really does stand out. Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, it took us so long to watch this film. It finally did. Um, everything seemed to be against us watching this film. Yeah. And uh, worth the wait, because I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Another well-deserved Oscar win for Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, yeah. He really was top-notch. Um, a top-notch lead actor that was nominated for supporting. Yes. That's um, yes, for another time. <laughs> the Father, um, contained in mind number one performance of the year from Anthony Hopkins. I mean, wow. Yeah, I think it's a real shame what happened at the Oscars. Yeah. Because it took away from what is a fantastic 
performance. Yeah, I mean, a career best performance from someone who's had so many great roles. Exactly. Um, and the, the way the Oscars did it was really shitty, uh, because as much as he deserved the award, leaving it till last, because they made it a lot, they were going to give it to Chadwick Boseman. That's just such a shitty thing to do. It was. They, they really messed up there, because it really took away from... Anthony Hopkins, and I do really think this is a deserved Oscar yeah. win. Um, talk about Spencer feeling like a horror film. Yeah. The Father felt like a horror film, really, and it 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 will bring you to tears. Yeah. Spider-Man, speaking of bringing you to tears, Spider-Man No Way Home <laughs> brought me to tears on multiple <laughs> occasions. Yeah. If you have a connection to the Spider-Man films, you, you, you've, you've number seen one, it. you've already seen it. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably on your third watch by now. And number two, you will probably shed a few tears. And finally, our film of the year across all genres is Drive My Car. A film that I really cannot recommend enough. I, 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 I honestly, just please go out there and watch this film because not enough people have seen it. No. That is how you do a slow burn. Yeah. That is it. Yeah. That's how you make a long film compelling. Yeah. Three hours long, I I didn't feel a second of it. You don't. You really don't. The characters are fascinating. The characters are likeable. Yeah. It's not... There's not that much to it, really, plot-wise... But it really makes the most of it. If you like, if you like opening night, it's very similar to that. Yes, the, but that Cassavetes is that is genuinely night. the only film I could compare it to. Yeah, because it it is not like anything else. It, it's I genuinely I, I know it's a cliche, but I felt lost within the film itself. You you get to the point where you forget you're watching the film because you're so invested in it. Uh, it made it into my top 50 films of all time. It is just phenomenal. Yeah, really love it, love it, love it. Highly recommend. Do not be afraid of subtitles in this case. No, or any case. Or right? any case, actually. <laughs> yeah. Do not be afraid of a three-hour run That's time. what I meant. Don't be afraid of three hours of subtitles, because you can do it, because it's such a great film. And that brings us to our number one best horror film of 2021. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're still doing that. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> and here it is. The horror cool treasure of the best horror film of 2021 is... Chris. Oh, it's Chris. It's Last Night in Soho. It is. The divisive Last Night in Soho. <laughs> I, this is less divisive, I think. You think? Um, yeah, so this is in the sevens on IMDb, so I think more people agree with this. Um, yeah, so I'm a big Edgar Wright fan. I've enjoyed every single film he's released, and he's finally... I mean, I, I'd i say Shaun of the Dead is a masterpiece, as is Hot First, but this is his ultimate masterpiece. This is incredible. If this, if James Wan was going for Dario Argento and Malignant, then this is absolutely Edgar Wright's Mario Bava film. Yeah, this... Again, I've said this a few times. This uh, it's sincere. <laughs> it's no, no, it's not. It it's a film that felt like it was made for me. Yeah, it incorporated everything I find interesting in film, all the kinds of films that I enjoy, and brought them all together, mixed it all about, and managed to make a really fucking great film. Yeah, it just it's 
beautifully shot. The soundtrack is fantastic. Yeah. The acting is great. Yeah. I I love the subject matter. Um, it's just really well made and well constructed and a perfect final film for Diana Rigg. Yeah, absolutely, because she is really good in it. She's fantastic yeah. in it. And and speaking of the soundtrack as well, the way it incorporates music with film is it, it, something that Edgar Wright is a master at anyway, um, in general. He, he did it really well with uh, The World's End and Baby Driver and, of course, Scott Pilgrim. Um, but here, it, it, genuinely feels like, it genuinely feels like the jukebox soundtrack is telling a story alongside the film. It feels like an extra character. Um and I think that's what, that is what makes this so great. It is just really, really well made, really well put together, uh, perfectly structured, perfectly paced, with a really unpredictable twist. Um, and again, it, it feels like a love letter to many things, but mainly Giallo. Yeah, yeah. You know, those influences are clearly there. But then also those films from the 60s. Yeah, yeah. Um, particularly ones set around London. Yeah, I mean, Repulsion. This is, is clearly a love letter to Repulsion. Yeah, Repulsion. Um, we watched a few of them, didn't we? Like Beat Girl. Yeah. And, um, it's the only film that we watched this year that featured Cilla Black. <laughs> yeah. So that gives it an extra star in my book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, just really, really, really a great film. I, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't understand why people didn't get it. Why some people didn't really get it. No. Maybe for the same reasons that they didn't get Malignant. I've seen a few people really, really misunderstanding the ending on an alarming level. Mm. Um, I'm thinking it's quite problematic, but it's not. It's really, really not. And it's it's really not that difficult to look past it. It's, you know, give it a rewatch with, with the context now. It's not. It's saying that it's it's providing a message, but it's providing a very good message. Uh, again, about the uh, abusive treatment of women within the entertainment industry. I mean, and this takes it back to the sixties and looks at it through that angle, and it's a really interesting take on some really great and effective social commentary. Yeah, yeah. So it it it's a, a layered film. Yeah. And that is our best horror films of twenty twenty one. Yes. Yes. What a great year it's been for horror. It has been. A great year for film overall. Yeah, Yeah, really fantastic. And that brings us to our, let's face it, the moment you've all been waiting for, the worst of the year. (laughs) We all know you're like, oh, Oh. yeah, we love hearing them talk about good stuff, but let's get to the nitty gritty of it all. Let's talk about the shit that we got from this year. And there hasn't been a lot of it. Sorry to disappoint you. We've got we've got enough for ten and some honourable mentions. Yes. But there's not been a lot of it. And uh, so if you're expecting any uh, Chris and Gary conflicts, we agree with everything. We actually, yeah. We have the exact so same top ten. ten to one, we, we had exactly the same, so. Um, bit of a disclaimer, and I always like to do this before we do this part, because we go to a lot of festivals, as you know, as we've already mentioned on this episode a few times. Um, so uh, a lot of stuff on this list... Might be from independent directors. These films haven't been given a distribution deal yet. Just because we say they're shit doesn't mean you're gonna think they're shit. It's true. Actually. I I would never tell you not to go out there and support indie horror, no matter whether the film's good or bad. So, 
even though we're telling you it's not very good, if you want to go out there and make your own mind up, absolutely go for it. We're not doing this discredit any indie filmmakers. We, we, we never would. We, we're not here to gatekeep taste. You know, we just tell you how we feel and what we think and try and make it as entertaining as possible. Um, I would never turn around and tell someone, do not watch a film unless it's Saving Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that and, one and, just don't. Yeah, um, but again, you know, these are films we have watched this year, and they are films that for us have been undeniably shit. So yes. here we go. <laughs> Starts at number ten, a film that's certainly not from an independent filmmaker. It's M Night Shyamalan's old, the comedy hit of the year. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. I <laughs> haven't seen a film in a cinema this bizarre since Cats. Um, this is... I don't know how this got made. I really, really don't know how this got made. M. Night Shyamalan has been very hit or miss over the years. Um, for every The Visit, there is a The Village. For every Sixth Sense, there's A Last Airbender. Oh, my God. Um... <laughs> For every split, there's a lady in the water. You know, it goes on and on. Um, this is definitely a fucking big miss. It's... <laughs> I just didn't know what they were going for. And Like, what what, what were they trying to do? Make a horror film? Make a thriller? So, I mean, if, if you're not familiar... Comedy? And it became a meme, so you probably are familiar. But if you're not familiar with the premise... There's a beach that if you go on it, <laughs> you age really fast. Yes. Um, interesting premise. Uh, maybe. Yeah. But execution. <laughs> the problem is, the directing and writing is so fucking bad that it really allows for some bizarre performances, especially from Vicky Creeps, who gives one of the most alarming performances of the year. I don't know what she was trying to do. I really no. do not know what she was trying to do. She has a fairly strong accent. <laughs> and um, it, it comes out stronger at certain yeah. moments. Like intense moments. Um, but, I'm not here to diss anyone's accent. But it's much stronger when she, during intense scenes. Yeah. But it sounds funny. It sounds like she's putting it on. And the problem is... M. Night Shyamalan has her reading out some ridiculous dialogue. Like, whenever something happens, she explains what just happened. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, like, it's just... All of this film is just one clusterfuck. I don't know. I really, really... Sometimes over Trash the Piece, you could see what they're trying to do. I don't know what he was trying to do here. It was... I mean, it's a B-movie premise. Yeah. Really. Um, but it wasn't treated as a B-movie. It's one of those things where if it had been treated the same way Malignant was treated, yeah. we would have had it in our top ten. Yeah. Um, but I'd not, I just I had no idea what they were going it for. It took itself far too seriously. Far too seriously. But you're a film taking yourself seriously when you have a character called Mid-Sized Sedan. <laughs> you know, which is... A joke. That's a joke yeah. name. It it is his rap. It, obviously, it's his rapper name. Yeah. He was a rapper, and his stage name is Mid-Sized Sedan, 
which is hilarious. Yeah. But no one laughed. You know, it just felt Except like for it was us really in the taking cinema. itself seriously. Honestly, one of the funniest films I've seen in the cinema all year. We were cracking up. Um, again, another, <laughs> another really divisive film. I, I again, a film that apparently shook some people, and I, I really love to know how you were shook by this. How you found this scary in any way whatsoever? This is just bizarre. It's a weird one because. This year, more than any other year, I've taken more notice of what they call film Twitter. Um, what those youngsters called film, film, film Twitter. Twitter <laughs> that sort of scary place. Um, and so it feels like every single film has been divisive <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> every single one. It's like, oh my God, you've got a million different opinions. Uh, which is good, you know. You look at things from different angles, um, but this one I've no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't get it. I like it's, it. was just it was hilarious, hilariously bad. Um, a film that <laughs> onto our number nine spot. I've said all you need to say about old. Yeah, oh yeah, good, yeah. Um, we might do it as a, a podcast. Maybe it, it would work. It, it would, would work. Hilarious. Um, we could do it M Night Shyamalan month. Uh, <laughs> don't do that to me. Number nine, a film that wasn't divisive, a film universally panned, like much of the rest of the franchise, which can be divisive at times, which I mostly enjoy. It's Paranormal Activity Next of Kitten. Yeah, um, I'm going to give this one to you because I don't like Paranormal Activity as a franchise. Yes, I, I do. I even the first one I didn't really enjoy that much, so this one I was never going to enjoy. So I'll <laughs> give it to you. I mean, it's number nine on your list, regardless. But <laughs> yeah, um, but I was never going to enjoy it. Yeah, I knew I wasn't. So, I I love the first Paranormal Activity. I love the third one. I love the sixth one. It's. It, it, I kind of had a bit of hope because it seems to be a pattern. It's like one good, one average, one good, one bad, one good, one terrible. So I thought, oh, okay, here we go. It's another good one. Oh, my God. I really don't know how they got this so wrong. I mean, it's not like the ending of The Ghost Dimension wasn't left wide open for another sequel anyway. Carry on the story. Carry on the story. You've been, you've been continuing this lore on for... Fucking seven films, six or seven films already. Just carry it on. It's fine. We'll forgive you. I'll, I'd rather have seen a retread of the first film than whatever the fuck this was trying to be. It felt like it was ripping off Midsummer at times. It felt like it was ripping off Wreck. Um, but the one thing it didn't feel like was a paranormal activity film. Again, you want to try something new? Great. This wasn't the one. This was so generic, so boring. It was just really shit. And it tries to do that thing that um, we're all going to the World's Fair does, where there's some scenes that aren't found footage. Whereas we're all going to the World's Fair is a really good film, and you forget you're not watching a found footage film during those scenes, this is glaringly obvious, and it takes you out of it. Yeah. It's very jarring. There's slow motion used in two scenes. What, what are you doing? It's just a found footage film. Just keep it a found footage film. There's a scene at the start of this film... Uh, I know we haven't been going too much into specific scenes because of spoilers, but you, you'll love this um, if you like what we normally discuss on here. There's a scene at the start of this film where a woman 
watches footage from a hospital security camera of her mother abandoning her at the hospital in the 90s. The, the the idea that this woman went to the hospital was like, oh, can I have your CCTV footage? She she wasn't a professional, from nothing at 90s. all. Just a random woman goes to this hospital, oh, can I have some footage from the 90s, please? And my mum abandoned me. And they knew the exact hour, the exact day and everything and gave her this fucking footage that she's willing to share to the world. I can suspend disbelief to a certain point, but fuck me, that's dumb. In a franchise... Where we've seen the ghost as black gooey stuff fucking coming towards us in 3D and big CGI ghosts. This was still the most unrealistic and dumbest thing I've seen. And I had to mention that because that's the only thing I would want to talk about on a podcast episode about that film. There's nothing else to discuss. It managed to not only be generic in terms of fan footage, it also managed to be generic in terms of horror. Yeah. It did both, <laughs> which, well, well done, you double the generic. <laughs> yeah. It's genuinely really boring. It is horrific, it really is. And if that's, your, if that's what you're trying to do to reboot a franchise, then there's no fucking hope. Yeah. Good luck to you. You got anything else to say about it? You've, you, yeah, I've kept very quiet about that one. Yeah. <laughs> Can I be honest? It's not that say. I don't really remember much. <laughs> it's probably for the best. I, genu- I remember them, I remember it. I remember the Amish people being made to seem scary <laughs> simply because they're Amish. Because they're Amish. That's ridiculous. Like, it was actually quite offensive. I mean, oh, I, I won't give any spoilers. I mean, it's slightly justified by the end. That's a slight spoiler. Slightly. Slight spoiler. But I think the trailer gives away that. So it's justified in the end. But they seem like really... <laughs> Disgusted by it all from the get-go. Well, okay. Gosh. Coming to number eight. A close runner-up. This, if this had did what it does during the third act for the whole film, this could have been trash the piece of the year. Number eight is Nell Blomkamp's Demonic. Now, Nell Blomkamp made District 9, and I absolutely love District 10. I've said, did I just say, is it District 9 or District 10? It's been a long time since I've seen it. District 9? I have it on Blu-ray, I'm just going to lean forward. Yes, District 9, okay. I don't know why I thought, no, there was a sequel being made called District 10, forgive me. Um, Great filmmaker. What about District 1 to 8? Um, Those are another conversation. I see. Uh, Great filmmaker, Uh, really knows his shit, or so I thought. This is the opening film of Fright Fest, and we had Mark Commode introducing Fright Fest this year, which was really cool. We really like Mark Commode. Um, <laughs> he didn't say a single thing about this film. No. <laughs> the first film of the festival, and he was like, "Horror fans are great. Fright Fest is great. We're all back in the cinema together. There's some great films coming up this weekend." And literally, the film we were about to watch, he didn't say a single thing about it. Even the Fright Fest host, they fucking screwed off so fast. I when they introduced this film. Because everyone knew it was fucking dog shit. People were laughing at it at Fright Fest. And do you know how difficult it is to get a group of people at Fright Fest to agree that film is shit? Everyone fucking hated this. It's... <laughs> I, I feel bad for them because on paper, it absolutely should have been the opening yeah. film. Yeah. Absolutely should have been the opening film. Big deal. It was a very big deal. Very big deal. Um, I haven't seen District 9 or any of the, uh, the other directors... Uh, other films by the director. Um, 
if we're anything like this, then I certainly District won't 9 is so much better. I've not seen this other film, was, but District 9 is so good. It was laughable. It was, it came across as really cheap as well. But I feel like there was must have been some sort of budget behind it. It genuinely... The, talk about a film that doesn't know what it wants to do. The graphics felt like the... The, like the, the CGI Sims. felt like The Sims, but yeah. like really early Sims. Um, I compared it to Phantasmagora, that video game from yeah, the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Like, really static and just weird. The premise the premise was interesting. But <laughs> was it? It's all over the place. <laughs> but it, the premise was interesting. The plot wasn't. <laughs> like, literally, it went from being about a woman who has to speak to her mum inside this video game world, or whatever it was, VR world. Yeah. To... Being about fucking priest cops. Yeah. To being about hunting demons. Like, I, genuinely, it was a roller coaster of a fucking film. But some parts were unforgivably boring. Like, I mean, really fall asleep worthy. Yeah. Like, generic and boring. And it, Chris is absolutely right. It does like The Sims when she goes into this VR world. And the first time she goes in there, one of my favourite scenes in the film is when she first goes into the VR world. She's like, Mum, Mum. And she finds her mum and was like, oh, hello there, daughter. And she's like, you fucking piece of shit. And then just leaves the world. Yeah. And like, what the fuck was that? She's like, oh, she fuck really you. She just to call her a cow. <laughs> weird. Really weird. And, and when it gets to the priest cups part, it's even more bizarre. But that's when it becomes entertaining. Because... That is stupid. Priest Cops is fucking stupid. I would love to see a whole TV show on that side of the film. In the right hands, yeah. it would have been good. Um, But, you know, it, it also includes a scene where a guy has... A cop has his, blo- his brains blown out. And a character literally says... In a film that is not intended to be a comedy in any way. A character literally says, call an ambulance for him. Yeah. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? <laughs> character's dying and he spends 10 minutes discussing an ancient dagger like it is ridiculous there's certain scenes you need to see to believe but it's still not worth watching the whole film because it's just so bad yeah it's in the right hands it could have been entertaining Um, much like Malignant yeah you know the ridiculous moments could have been entertaining Uh, it really wasn't really genuinely wasn't so yeah, that brings us to another Fright Fest film. Our number seven spot is Evie. Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't... I feel a bit bad, because I don't necessarily want to shit on independent British films. Um, I think it's a stretch to call this a horror film. Oh, absolutely. There's, in many ways, it's that's not right being on a horror list. Yeah, it's marketed as one. Um, but it's it's more... It's more like a weird episode of Doctors, <laughs> the daytime TV soap here in the UK. Um, it it's hard to describe because it's really it was really boring. It, yeah, it really boring. I mean, this is directed by Dominic Brunt, who of course plays Paddy in Emmerdale, and who directed Attack of the Adult Babies, a film we really, really enjoyed when yeah. we first went to Fright Fest. It's absolutely crass and trash in every way but it's so good like he knew what he was doing he knew what he was doing and it was entertaining because of that um how he went from something as chaotic and gross out as attacking adult babies 
to something that's more like an episode of Emmerdale, I, I really don't know. But, uh, uh, do you know what? I wouldn't even say it. I think that's really harsh on Emmerdale. <laughs> because at least stuff happens in Emmerdale. There's, in this, in Evie, there's not much going on. And then these weird moments of sort of ref- reflecting. Yeah. Um, but with nothing to reflect on. Um, just... I mean, the location was beautiful. I'd give it that, by the sea. But other than that, it's dull. Really fucking dull. <laughs> and everyone at Fright Fest who claps for this film are a bunch of shady bastards because everyone clapped. And during the Q&A, you had your usual, oh, visual stunning masterpiece. Everyone telling um, Dominic Brunt how great it was. Literally, within minutes, it was in the freeze on IMDb. So, okay, come on, don't was, lie to the guy. Come on, at least we're being honest. Yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, seriously. Well, you don't put your hand up in a Q&A and say, that was shit, that was. But all the people who wooed it and cheered and clapped, it's like, come on, what little, are you doing? It was a little rough. Uh, yeah, it's, it's rough. It's rough. Um, number six spot is a film where I have to give a shout-out to the director. Um, oh, bless him. Josh Stifter is one of the nicest guys I've spoken to on Lovely. Twitter. Um, absolute sweetheart of a guy who <laughs> responded to my review and had a really decent, civilised conversation about it. Ex- absolutely accepted everything I said. He commented, he complimented my review. You know, really nice guy. Said he wants to be on a podcast one day. I'm absolutely up for that. But number six is still a great one to plot. Yeah. Um, this is low budget um, filmmaking, which isn't a bad thing. Which it isn't, isn't a bad, a bad thing. thing, you know. Absolutely we we not. can. You, it's one of those films that you can see, and I'm not just saying this because he's a nice guy. You can see that you know the um, it's ambitious. The intention's there to make a really good film. Yeah. The execution, on the other hand, is not so. It was great. too ambitious, I think. Yeah. Um, I think it's. <sighs> I think it could have been B-movie, but yeah. maybe took itself too seriously. Uh-huh. Um, I have to admit, I know getting friends and family and yourself to act yeah. in films is the cheaper option, um, but also the results come off quite cheap as well. Yeah. And the acting, it, was, it wasn't it wasn't good. It wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> very good. It's a questionable dialogue in there as well, like... Uh, there's a racist joke thrown in said by a character that I believe was supposed to like. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was a little questionable. I, oh, God, I yeah. don't know. It, it's it's hard to read into intentions when you're having a likeable character say it, you know? Yes. Um, yes. So, yeah, some questionable dialogue. Um, a lot of questionable stuff there, but the intentions are in the right place. The execution was not. Yeah. It's is what yeah. I'm saying. It, it is our number six spot. It is. What <laughs> in the words of uh Natalie and Prudia, the filmmaking wasn't great, girls. Yeah. <laughs> uh no one's gonna get that. Anyway, uh number five, the night belongs to monsters. What the fuck was this? Oh my god. Do you remember this film? Dull, 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 <laughs> dull, dull. I know I keep using the same words to describe <laughs> these films, but fucking hell. This do you know what? 
unforgivably boring <laughs> and dull. Dire. Absolutely dire. It's number five because it looked a bit nice at times. But fucking hell. Shout out to uh, our, our wonderful chum, uh, Everything is Retro, Brian. Um who also is at the same screening as for this one and sat through it with his friends. <laughs> Shout out to me for staying awake. <laughs> now, I, I will openly admit that I've been known to fall asleep during a few films in my time, um, particularly the dull ones. Um, I stayed awake for this, thank God, um, just so I could sit here and tell you and warn you how fucking dull it is. I... Yeah, Crimin' Wrongs was a Spanish film, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really... I, I love world cinema. I love foreign language films. You know, I always find they're often some of the more, more inventive uh, films. There's, there's never really that Americanised boundaries there in place. They, they just do whatever the fuck they want. You know, they, they do whatever they want. They go as weird as they want. And that's great to me. You know, I'm I'm always up for supporting uh, foreign language films especially indie foreign language films as well I'm really not sure what was going on here because the entire film is a girl going around being being bullied uh, and whatnot by a classmate, you know, a, a carry scenario whilst a white dog watches her yeah, that's it Nothing happens. It feels like there's no conclusion. It feels like the messages are lost within itself. It's just... I don't know what they were trying to do with it. And I've said this a lot about the films on this list, but it it is really... I feel like it's a little pretentious. Um, Massively. If, the, if there's a message there to be told, it, it doesn't come across because, much like we said about Dune, it gets so lost up its own ass and... The dog watching her do everything just got a little creepy at times, especially when she's having sex and the dog's there watching. It's like, okay, well, what's going on here? It's just very... <laughs> I think the words, and I've used dull a lot, so I'm going to try a different one. Uh, empty. It felt empty. Yeah. I didn't feel anything. There's nothing. Nothing. I didn't feel... Um, angry i didn't feel sad i didn't feel happy i just it was empty i just didn't feel anything at the end of it i was just like well that happened okay and much like we said and about for evie me, that's unforgivable uh, well much like we said about evie it's, it's a stretch even put on this list i don't know what was horror about it no even less so with the night belongs to monsters i don't know what was horror about? I don't know why the poster has the lead girl screaming on it. Like, what's she screaming about? Yeah. And screaming about the fact she had to act in this fucking film. It's it's not great. It, it's it's not even good. It's yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. Make if you if you do check out this film, just make sure you have lots of caffeine at the ready. <laughs> Number four. Now this year's been a great year for Netflix. Uh, Power of the Dog. You know, um, which I think I actually forgot to mention in my honourable mentions. Um, and you did. Uh, yeah, one of, one of the best films of the year. Oh my god. Um, the Power of the Dog, uh, The Hand of God, Tick Tick Boom, The Fear Street Trilogy. It's been a good year for Netflix. Yeah. A classic horror story no. is the darker side of Netflix this year. 
Uh, a Netflix film that is just fucking abysmal. Absolutely abysmal. It was compared to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Of course it was. Uh, what was what were the words? Uh, it's like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre meets uh, Dario Argento, some shit like that. This is nothing of the sort. This is fucking bland. The most bland film I, I've seen. Because the thing is, it's not even like it's badly made. It's not even like you can say, oh, it's really it's the shit filmmaking and whatever. It's just nothing. Absolutely nothing to it whatsoever. A lot of it I can't even fucking remember. Oh my god, I could not tell you a single thing about that film apart from um, the image of the, the house. Yeah. I literally... I, Texas Chainsaw Massacre meets Midsummer. That's, that's what it was. Yeah, no, it's definitely not. That is insulting. Really just... I, I switched off. I genuinely switched off. I was like, no, I'm not interested in it anymore. It was meant to be this big throwdown of... Uh, of horror films. Like, yeah, like ret- retro... You know, it's, it's love letter to horror films where yeah. they reference other horror films in it and that, you know, it's the sheer's, uh, the sheer's scream. But no, it, it's not even close. No. It, it was just fucking shit. Really, really shit. And that's all there is that can be said about that one. It really, it really is not a lot to say about because you can't even come for the filmmaking. It's true. It's um, it looks wonderful. It did but look that's all right, um, but it was also style over substance, unfortunately. Yeah. Coming in at number three, we have another Grimfest film, shot in the dark. Oh my lord. This was the first film, I believe, on the Sunday. So this is early, after a few late nights, and fuck me, was it a challenge to stay awake for this one. Oh my god. I have never seen a film try and... No, I don't even know what it was trying to... Again, I don't want to repeat myself, but fucking what was it trying to do? This is a guy strapped to a chair for a big majority of this film and that is it like this guy goes up to him like oh i got you strapped to the chair he's like ah get me out that's it it's like an hour and ten minutes of this film and has a fucking dumb ending a dumb beginning and a really uninteresting storyline that you know we've seen a thousand times before a troubled writer goes out somewhere blah 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 blah, blah. um but no it's just yeah it's just shit um I'm not gonna lie, I really struggled to remember this as well. <laughs> um, I just remember just talking, they just talked shit. Yeah. Oh, and there's also a shot in the film where you see the side of someone's head. Like, there's a, a shot of two characters talking, and there's a third head in the, head in the shot. Oh, there is, yeah. Like, yeah. That's lazy, guys. Yeah. That's really lazy. Yeah, at least watch out for that stuff. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, there's not a lot to say about that one. No, really? It, it genuinely, and I think this is the problem, is um, we we like our trash to pieces, but these aren't even trash to pieces. No. These are really, they're just tepid, boring and dull. And that is why they're the worst, because yeah. we, we can't forgive that, unfortunately. 
And then number... The number... <laughs> There's a say these are just our opinions. <laughs> We're like, it's fucking tepid, dull, don't watch it. Well, in our number two spot, yeah. uh, a film that we've got a little more to say about. Yes. It's the second film on this episode called Faceless. Definitely not to be confused with the Hong Kong documentary. No. This is instead about a man who... Wakes up in a hospital room after having a face transplant. And distance for face transplants what Charles does for going in the water. <gasps> Who said that? Me. Because that is how offensive this film is. <laughs> if you are disfigured in any way whatsoever, do not watch this film because it fucking hates you. Like, I mean, seriously. The only reason this is a horror film... It's because of a fucking facial disfigurement. It's really, really offensive yeah. writing. And it's fucking shit. Chris did have a nap during this one. I let him sleep for a bit. Um, and watched this at Grimfest. Um, didn't miss much. Uh, you saw the best bits. By the best bits, I mean the bits that were just so shocking because of... Uh, what they were trying to say. Yeah, I, I, I remember being... Obviously, I had a little nap as well. But I remember being very confused. Um, even before the nap. Not really knowing <laughs> what was going on or what what really it was about. Um, you know, what's your message here, guys? What's... You know, what's your intent? Um, and when I say message, I don't mean a grand message about human condition mm. but when i when i mean message i mean is your message that there is no message do you know what i mean yeah. it's for want of a better phrase the message can be we just want to fuck with your head or we just want to make the weirdest film possible but when it's confused and mixed up like that mm-hmm. you don't know what they're trying to do and it helps for me personally just me um, it helps me to know what the intent is. Yeah. Or for me to try and figure out an intent of a film. And so when it's so complicated, and, you know, when I feel like the, the filmmakers don't know what they're doing, then I can't get that. I can't get to that place where I can appreciate a film from the perspective it... Uh, it's intended to be. Yeah, and it's not Do you something. What yeah, I mean? Does that absolutely, sound... no, absolutely. Right. And it's not something you go steady with when you're dealing with disfigurement because it's a very real thing. Yeah. You know, there are people out there with facial disfigurements. Because they have a facial disfigurement does not make them a fucking scary character in a horror film. But that's what this film would have you believe. Every time you'd see someone who has a facial disfigurement. The soundtrack would like, like you, you would know that's what you're meant to yeah. be scared of. That is really fucking you out of order. I think we'd be <laughs> past that point in 2021. Yeah. I have to say one thing, though. I, I thought the poster was pretty cool. Yeah, the poster's great. The poster's great. It's just a bit it's of just Not the film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that brings us on to our dishonourable horror mentions. Willy's Wonderland. Yeah, yeah, not not great, girls. <laughs> and a very and another divisive film, um, where people seem to 
really think this is great, but it's just a case of, oh, it's got Nicolas Cage in it, it has to be great. No, no, no this is... This is this is lazy. Slapping Nicolas Cage in there and having him pull a, sh- pull a few stupid faces does not make a good film. It's not a trash the piece. It's shit. This is the, the crazy thing is you've had two Nicolas Cage films yeah. in one year. No, where... three. I mean, Prisoners in the Ghostland. That was great. Okay. That's not the point I'm making, though. <laughs> you've had two Nicolas Cage yeah. films in one year where he's played... A very silent character. Yeah. Um, and in Pig, he's given a fantastic performance. In Willy's Wonderland, he's given a Nicolas Cage, having it a, you know, over the top performance. Yeah. And it's just it's it, I've, it's weird that in this span of you know, twelve months, mm. we've had two performances that could have gone the same way but have gone in completely different directions yeah pretty much don't say its name what the snowy when we watched that avatar film festival with the witchcraft oh god psycho gorman very divisive yeah i (laughs) really don't get it because if you manage to look past the irritating obstacle that is the little girl in this film, then props to you. She was quite annoying. Oh my god, one of the worst characters in cinematic history. She is fucking frustrating to watch. You know how I said about how it's hit or miss with child actors and how the actor in Slapface is so good? This is the other end of that. Uh, really, really bad. I struggle with precocious children. Uh, precocious, precocious. <laughs> I but in films, I do find them quite annoying. Yeah, not good. Which is a shame because it could have been good. It had it had the practical effects in the right place, but that's it. The Night House, uh, a film people have raved about. I see this on someone's number one. Oh dear! I saw this on someone's number one film of the year. Oh shit! I'm confused. I I'm I'm confused. This film did absolutely nothing different to any other haunted house ghost film over the past ten years or so. I felt like you were just waiting for the next jump scare yeah. throughout the whole thing. Yeah, that's it's just a jump scare fest. Puppet Killer, a film I watched on my own. That is, it is, it's bizarre. It absolutely rips off Benny Loves You. Um, I mean, to a ridiculous level. Like, the puppet looks the exact same and sounds the exact same. I'm not sure which one was made first, but either way, Benny Loves You is the better one, and Puppet Killer is shit. Yeah. Uh, Tarimama. What? <laughs> Who? Another Grimfest film. Um, House in the Woods. Nothing happened. Never mind. Lamb, of course, we already spoke about. Sweetie, you won't believe it. What a... Disappointment that it wasn't was. was horror. It technically was horror. Really? Horror yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, a film that quite a few people raved about, again, didn't find it funny. No, and at, at the end of the day, you know, comedy more than anything else can be divisive. Yeah. Um, if you don't find it funny, then you don't find it funny. It yeah. just wasn't our humour. Don't breathe too. <laughs> oh my god you know following it on from a really great film um with, with this fucking weird sequel 
where we're meant to root for a rapist. Um, okay. It took everything that the first film did and kind of just threw it out the window. Yeah. I mean, it has the best scene of a dog showing someone directions. Oh, my God, that dog. Genius. Touch. <laughs> Don't touch that bird. <laughs> Don't touch what? Touch. The, what about the white saviour um, that has that... Uh, is, she, is she blind or is her boyfriend blind? Her Asian boyfriend is blind, I believe. Um... And he starts stalking her. He starts, and he, there's a scene where he tries to touch a bird, and she's like, "Don't touch that bird!" Fright fest. We got caps for it. We got caps for free. Me. Yeah. Oh. Watching the tiny screen of fright yeah. fest. <laughs> wow. You really struggled with that one. Wow, Bethany. Wow. Wow, Bethany. Wow. Um. Oh my god. I'm sorry. It was your idea to fucking watch it that film. It was my idea. Um. That was. That was a struggle, that film. <laughs> um, yeah, don't touch that. Yeah, she was... Yeah, she cheated on her husband, <laughs> she? cheated she? on her husband. cheated on her husband uh, with the the blind guy, and then the blind guy... He started stalking Started stalking her. <laughs> Watching her through a window, and he was blind. <laughs> yeah. And she, yeah, wow. That did happen, didn't it? And she film. was like, oh, where was it set? Was it in China it was set? I believe, I believe so. so. I believe and, so. And she turned up and they were all like, uh, all these Chinese people, oh my God, you're amazing. Oh my God. And it's like, oh my God. She literally oh, wrote the film. Wait, she wrote the fucking film. Didn't they say something like your beautiful porcelain skin Yes, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, and, and she literally wrote and directed the film. She did. <laughs> wow. It genuinely, a really really bizarre film where I, yeah he was um he was a chinese blind um monsieur oh of course yes um yeah just i i, I don't know how to describe i, I mean over know how we've already said she, so... also she called herself fei fei in the film she gave herself a chinese name yeah, but she was married to a Chinese man, so she yeah. would have she would have had a Chinese name. But she was lapping it up. She was fucking really. Like, it's on Amazon Prime. Watch it for yourself. Just witness this film for it's yourself. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon Prime. Wow. Night of the Eagle Inn. I really wanted to like this um, because, again, you can see where the intentions are, but it's just really unoriginal and really boring. It was yeah. It was it, yeah. It could have been better. Keeping company challenge. Try and remember the plot to that film. Abattoir Film Festival is the only hint you're getting. You lost me. The two insurance guys. Two insurance guys. Played out like a comedy. Oh, they get locked in the basement. Yeah, really boring. Yeah, yeah, not very funny. Straight to VHS. Oh, and his dad was really mean to him. Yeah. But quite justified. Straight to VHS. Straight to VHS. Half documentary, half weird narrative. That just did not work. Uh, Dawn Breaks Behind the Eyes. Now, I feel kind of bad putting us on it because I really like the first half of this film. I really like the way they were going with the sort of giallo gothic feel um, hybrid. It was, I thought it was really good. But then the second half is unforgivable, how boring it gets. There's an orgy, and even that can't save it. Oh, that film. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that lost it. Ah, uh, I guess it a bit really, harsh putting it. It, it really the did. The, the first half didn't deserve to be on there, but the second half does. Yeah, the it second lost half its was way. really bad. It lost its way. Uh, the and finally the Retaliators, a film that we were promised was so rock and roll, so metal. Starred uh, the guy from Papa Roach, and it was actually just a bit of shit. Oh my god, I don't. I remember it existing, but I don't remember anything about it. It had a good final ten minutes, but everything before that. It was like really religious and um, saving yeah. Christmas, but horror. Um. <laughs> I, can I, just a little disclaimer for anyone listening who thinks that I don't take any notice of these films. <laughs> we watch a lot of films in one year. Um, we go to horror film festivals, and a, a lot of the films are quite similar. <laughs> In their horror nature and their budgets. And so I get them mixed up. We watch a lot of films. And when you go to a film festival, you watch a lot of films in one day. Over numerous days. And it's difficult to keep up. Especially if the films are boring. You know, I'm very much in... The school of thought where if something's not important to keep, I just get rid of it in terms of memories. Uh, so <laughs> if it's a shit film, I ain't going to remember it because I'm too busy remembering the good films. Well, thank you for that powerful speech. Um, it's what we all <laughs> well, needed. Well, people are going to think, oh, this cunt doesn't <laughs> fucking watch any of these films. I bet he's, bet he's on his phone all the time whilst watching them. It's the fucking ones where I can't go on my phone that I can't remember. <laughs> Well, you've got this. You've got this This next round of dishonourable mentions. Dishonourable mentions across all of the genres. I, these, these, this is better because they're more, like, individual, the films. They don't all feel like the same film. Nobody. Nobody, yeah, um, trying to be John Wick, I didn't get it. Yeah, we're in a minority. I know, it's very divisive. The United States versus Billie Holiday. Yes, it does deserve to be on here. It's such a disappointment. The <laughs> film did not live up to that performance. No. I love Billie Holiday. She's one of my most played artists of 2021. Um, and it just really didn't do her justice. No. Really didn't. I was really disappointed. Greatly performance, shit, everything else. Exactly. And I'm sorry, that can't bring it out of the sort of shut. And the, only, and the same could be said about... About uh, Respect, but Respect I found to be slightly better, so I didn't put it on here. Yeah. But again, a, a film that really felt like it had somewhere to be and was so rushed, but a great lead performance. Yeah, whereas I felt like Billie Holiday just wasn't thought through very no. well. Whereas Respect was just trying to cram in too much. Yes. Two of the not-so-great biopics from this year. Mortal Kombat. Um, what a waste. What a waste. Trying to be the MCU. Clearly trying so hard to be a comic book film. Um, when, really, you should be trying hard to be a fucking Mortal Kombat film. Why would you try and be, like, something from the MCU when you've already got the source material to go from? You have established characters, you have an established narrative, just bring it up to date, you know, yeah. just make it fun. And they, they didn't, they, they really didn't. I don't know why they felt the need to introduce a new character yeah a really uninteresting one really as well. uninteresting um i hope there's not a sequel because it really was shit forced jokes all over the place yeah i mean the gore was all right at best but other than that 
shit. Yeah, well, it really was, actually. The greenhouse. Yeah, greenhouse. <laughs> the time travel film with that woman and her family where she keeps going into the greenhouse and then going back to family arguments and shit. That was at the BFI flare. Yeah. LGBTQ that plus. Actually, yeah, that, that, that got mixed up really quickly. Very messy. First cow. Oh my god! Like we said, we're not afraid of a slow burn, but fucking boring. <laughs> so boring. Malcolm and Marie. It was literally an, an hour and a half argument or just two hours. Whinging, just moan, moan, moan. Like, oh my god! But a not in a not in a who's afraid of Virginia Woolf entertaining way. No, and with two fucking fantastic actors as well. Oh yeah. But also. Written and directed by a white man with social commentary about problems surrounding black people. Yeah, and black filmmakers. And black filmmakers. Uh, and it was basically just him whinging because people didn't like one of his other films. Oh my God, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah the whole film was him whinging about critics, not liking his other film. Yeah. But when he was talking about issues that really didn't concern him. Now, Edgar Wright made Last Night in Soho, which is very much deals with... Uh, you know, problems that women have faced, as I mentioned, throughout the entertainment industry for years. Yeah. Uh, but even though Edgar Wright made it, I believe there's a woman writer on, on board, but even though it was directed by a man, you could, you could, he still provided that message really well. So I'm not saying that this... Sh- it, I mean, really, it should be made by a black filmmaker. I do stand by that. But I'm not saying this white director couldn't have done a good job of it, but he didn't. And you could tell it was written and directed by a white man. Yeah, what didn't sit well with me, apart from the film being quite... Boring. It was boring, <laughs> because it felt like it was going over the same ground yeah. over and over again. Um, but when I learned that this was his sort of catharsis mm. in regards to um, reviewers not liking his films or it wasn't just one particular yeah. review yeah. that he got uh-huh. and he made a whole film about it I was like oh my god you know how far up your own ass are you yeah real real shit film made by a sport brat boy meets boy oh yeah the one about the guy who goes to I can't remember where he went and he meets that guy at a disco was it Berlin yeah and that so guy's like really rude when someone comes up to him talking about a charity or something oh fuck off I ain't giving you no money I, there is uh, you know what I've seen them on about don't you yeah 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 yeah, it's yeah like, the Mormons yeah that's it yeah, yeah. it's so it, this guy's so obnoxious and so rude I um, I found both characters they were yeah obnoxious actually again another film where it's two people the problem with fucking covid filmmaking a film where it's two characters just having conversations something that can be very interesting a big part of drive my car is characters just having conversations Mm -hmm. you know um but when you don't do it right it can be fucking it, it can test your patience and this definitely did that yeah, I did. I just, I just couldn't connect with the uh, characters. No, no, well, we're not twinks, are we? So, Enfant terrible. <laughs> um. Yeah, just a biopic on um Rainy Werner Fassbinder that is so one-dimensional and 
kind of obviously he wasn't the nicest guy but i just found like it kept going over the same thing mm -hmm. over and over again and he didn't really say anything on anything no i just it was just really disappointing mandibles again same director as deer skin um somehow managed to make a film in which two people find a giant fly in the boot of a car and try training them up to do tricks so they can make money, somehow made that boring as fuck. Do you know what was the most boring part? What? The constant jokes based around brain damage. Oh, I know, yeah. And yeah. that girl having brain damage yeah. and her being the butt of the joke through... Like a good sort of half of the film, yeah. that was the running joke. It mm -hmm. just really fucking pissed me off. Very immature humour. Speaking of which, the bitch who stole Christmas. Oh no. <laughs> oh. What do you mean, oh no? Oh no, this was really bad. <laughs> um, it was really bad. So not funny, so flat. Yeah. Um, really disappointing because you had some great drag queens. RuPaul in front of a green screen every five minutes. Yeah. RuPaul clearly didn't want to be, be on set for the whole film. <laughs> so give him my money, but I ain't, I ain't turning up. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, just really cheesy and not very funny. Um, a big a big apology to the gays. Fuck it out. We've just slagged off three gay films. That's not like us. <laughs> Mandible ain't gay. No, Unfound Terrible and Boy Meets Boy. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> None of those are as bad as Wendy Williams the movie. <laughs> so, we weren't really sure what Lifetime movies were like. Now we do know. So we know they're... Watchable at Christmas. Melodramatic, <laughs> cheesy, you know, um, kind of ridiculous and kind of stupid. Um, this is the most unhumble biopic I've ever... Oh, I mean... You'd think she'd change the face, you know, of popular culture... Genuinely, uh, it's it's common knowledge to people that Wendy Williams is a piece of shit. Um, who's had some very horrible things to say over the years. It, this film literally, no one's gonna watch it. So I'm about to spoil it. This film ends with her showing up in her own fucking film, and practically talks about how great she is. Like, oh, there's my life story. Oh, it was great. Oh, whatever. Within the final few minutes of the film. Like, it was this massive deal. Like, oh my God, I can't believe the actual Wendy Williams is on screen. Get fucked. It was it was very unhumble. Yeah. Very unhumble. Um, she acted... The, the film acted as if she was... Like, the greatest radio show host yeah. that ever existed. Um, and it kind of... There was some things, like... Her husband cheating on her, that wasn't really dealt with. I mean, you didn't really get any insight into how she really felt. Mm. Um, but you got loads of insight into how amazing her, you know, radio show was. Yeah. And how amazing of a chat show host she was. I mean, it's the only film this year to reference Corey Hart, so... Yeah, that was a strange reference. The Housewives of the North Pole... As we told you on our original versus remake episode, this was fucking dire. Oh, it wasn't that bad. Shut. Sure. Really? <laughs> yeah, absolutely dire. Uh, when it could have been a camp classic. And finally, 
Our worst film of the year across all genres. It's actually our number one worst horror film, but it's our number two worst film of the year across all genres. Yeah. I assume it's the same for you. It's Free Guy. Because we can slag off all these films and, you know, we can tell you how boring some of these independent films were that we watched. But when you're given a budget as big as that and a studio as big as Disney and 20th Century Studios, as it's known now, and an actor like Ryan Reynolds in the fucking lead, there is no excuse to be this bad. It was... Divisive, again. Yeah, divisive. But I just found it to be insincere to the point of nausea yeah i found it to be so unfunny particularly um taika watiti yeah yeah his character was toe curling ridiculously over the top it play. i felt like it played to an audience that didn't include me <laughs> Um, so it felt like, uh, Groundhog Day meets Wreck-It Ralph, Mm. but because it was all original IPs, it didn't have the references that Wreck-It Ralph did. No. Which Uh, is the references that I appreciated. Yeah. But when it did... Those references were even more toe-curling than Taika Waititi's performance when they started referencing Marvel and Star Wars just because Disney have released it. Yeah. They were some of the most cringy moments I have seen on screen all year. It was very cringy. And I found the moment that the um, Twitch streamers, the YouTube streamers, appeared on screen and tried to act... That's when I realised, oh shit, this film isn't for me. No. And I thought it, I, I thought it was going to be for me. Yeah. And I'd like, no, they haven't made this for, for me. And then Taika Waititi, you know, he's a funny guy. Uh, he, he knows how to write and direct comedy. We watched uh, What We Do in the Shadows this year. Really good. Yeah. He was really funny in it. Yeah. You know, really well directed, really well written. For Ragnarok is possibly the funniest film in the MCU. His character is one of the funniest characters in the MCU. Jojo Rabbit, fantastic. But in this film, I don't know what the fuck happened. He was awful. He was like an older person pretending to know how younger people talk. Going for that type of humour... Not funny. No, which, which that was what the joke was meant to yeah. be, but it it came across just toe curling. Yeah. Re- really, just toe Awful. curling. I didn't I didn't like it at all. But that brings us to our worst film of the year for the horror genre and every other genre, and up there with one of the worst films I've ever seen. And yes, it is another independent film, but I don't feel as bad for shitting on this one. No. Because I would love to know what's going through the director's mind, because I, I can guarantee it's not a lot of good things. Um, yeah. The most misogynistic film of the year, the really ridiculously mean-spirited, unforgivable piece of shit that is Forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah, just offensive in every conceivable way. So here's the premise. This guy um, has abused 
three women in some way or another, you know, any normal people be like, okay, we want these girls to get revenge. The first thing we see in this film is the girls getting revenge. Great. They are then took into some sort of limbo uh, between life and death where they are trapped in a hospital and forced to go through some of the most horrific things, uh, including sexual assault by men in pig masks at some point, um, all because they killed this guy that abused them. Please explain in what world that is acceptable. We it felt like we were meant to be on the side of the guy who did the abusing. Yeah, it it really it genuinely felt like a film that hated women. Yeah, it felt like these women were being punished in yeah. some way. Um, and not in a scary horror film or no. hope they get out kind of way. It it genuinely felt like it was glorifying it because because it was so weird and out there mm. that it it didn't feel. It didn't necessarily feel real. So I, I feel like the idea is that they were in some sort of purgatory. Um, sort of between earth and heaven or, or the hell or, or whatever. They were in some sort of a place. Because seemingly they were already dead. I'm going to give you the twist. Because I seriously... <laughs> do you know what? I, yeah, I, I can't recommend this one. I keep contradicting myself. <laughs> but I will for this one. I seriously would not recommend this film no. to anyone. Even someone I didn't like. I wouldn't recommend this film. It really is bottom of the barrel. There's no dialogue. No, no. Pretentious as unrelenting, fuck. Headache-inducing. Um, the lighting's terrible. Yeah. But they're in a, this hospital, which I, I, I think is meant to be purgatory. Um, and they're being punished and in horrible ways, every sort of conceivable way. Yeah. Um, it it was horror. It really just awful. Yeah. Awful. Awful. Yeah. Awful. I, 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 there's not much to say apart from no. this film hates women. Yeah. And I love women, so therefore I hate this <laughs> film. And there we have it. Our best and worst horror films of twenty twenty one. And again, you know, really great year. The good has definitely outweighed the bad. Uh, even if the bad sinks as low as something like forgiveness. Um. So. Here's seven for more of the same next year. And we have some of our most anticipated films of next year. Uh, including Babylon, an upcoming musical that we only heard about uh, about an hour ago. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, darling. More Florence Pugh, the better. Just give me anything with Florence Pugh in. The Northman, fucking Bjork is in The Northman. Yeah, that... What a cast. trailer looks great. Yeah. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, the first horror film to come from the MCU. Uh, also from the MCU next year, looking forward to Four Love and Thunder, Black Panda, Wakanda Forever. And slightly outside of it, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. Oh, uh, yeah. Two. No, Part 1. Across the Spider-Verse. Oh. <laughs> oh. That's confusing. <laughs> That's the start, name of the sequel. Yeah, but part one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Either way, it's, it looks amazing. So, <laughs> um, the Batman because Zoe Kravitz has given me faith that there might be some camp value in there. The Flash because I cannot wait to see Michael Keaton back on screen as Batman. Um, yeah, the Flash is literally the thing I'm most least excited to see in the Flash. 
Scream. Uh, we would probably be hunted down obviously. by gays worldwide if we didn't put or any self-respecting horror fan. <laughs> nope. As in the Jordan Peele film. Oh, nope. yeah. More, again, give me more G- Jordan Peele. Jurassic World Dominion, because Laura Dern. Okay. It's <laughs> true. Halloween ends. I mean, yeah, we've enjoyed everything so far. Uh, yeah. yeah. Are, are you still, are you here? I can't, I can't <laughs> think of a reason why... <laughs> Yeah. Lightyear? Yeah. Turning Red? Yes. I saw that trailer recently and thought, actually, that looks rather good. Something I didn't think I would include on here, but the more I'm seeing from it, I'm really intrigued. Texas Chainsaw Massacre? No. No? No. I think it's going to be shit. I have hope. Hellraiser? No, it's going to be shit. Really? Female Pinhead? Yeah. Okay. You do it wrong. Not joking. No, I'm actually pretty intrigued by that. The film and the TV series by David Gordon Green, I believe, is in charge of it. Salem's Lot remake. Yeah. Stephen King remakes have been good. Um, Pet Cemetery, It, you know. Nightmare Alley. Or two of them. Nightmare Alley. <laughs> yeah. The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Kirsty's sister. Oh, shit. The Eyes of Tammy Faye has Andrew Garfield in it, so it's probably going to make me cry. It might do. It's a weird do you know what? Tammy Faye was actually well known for her crying. She oh, cried a lot great. and wore tons of makeup. Benedetta. Benedetta needs to hurry the fuck up. I feel like everyone's watched it apart from me. <laughs> um, I'm so excited. Yeah. And finally, the Black Phone. New Blumhouse film. Tom Savini involvement. Director of Sinister. And. Yeah, apparently so disturbing that people have walked out of screenings and, oh, wow. and all that. But it looks really fucking good. But that's it. That is our end of the year episode. That is. That yeah. was 2021. Yeah, a year where we have had a massive growth in listeners and downloaders uh, and followers and our biggest year yet with a podcast. So thanks for everyone. Yes. Thanks everyone for taking the time Thank to you very much. listen to us chat shit. Yeah, absolutely. Much appreciated. <laughs> Here's to more shit chatting in 2022. Yes. And there's a lot of shit to be chatted with some of the things we've got scheduled for you. Oh God. That's the thing though. I, I When we first started the podcast, I thought maybe we'd run out of shit to talk shit films to talk about no nope absolutely not <laughs> never ending never ending never ending 162 is 161 episodes in so we are on social media done at gasnight2 on letterbox gasmo205 on instagram and gascruise92 on twitter i'm chris barker823 on instagram twitter and letterbox i uh, rate review and subscribe on itunes rate and subscribe on spotify like a follow and i think else we will be back on Tuesday with Full Eclipse. <gasps> Starting off your year of listening to us chat shit with a bit of Patsy Kensit. Yes. I mean, what more could you ask for? Werewolves, Patsy Kensit, and the director of Waxwork. Oh, who nice. apparently made nothing else good other than Waxwork. Unless <laughs> Full Eclipse is uh, an say, unexpected masterpiece. Director of How Razor Free. Oh, Lord. <laughs> okay. So, yes, uh, we were back on Tuesday. Until then, Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year, everyone. And we'll see you on Tuesday. Bye.